What about porn studies? I'm Patrick Catus. Welcome to my web project about this new and vibrant academic field. Find more information on porn-studies.com, video interviews with experts from the field, book recommendations, and a porn guide on history and genre. This is the interview with Clarissa Smith, University of Sunderland and co-founder of the Porn Studies Journal. She'll tell us, even though most people think they know what porn is, when they see it, how difficult it still is to define pornography. And we talked about why most of porn is so obsessed with authenticity. What is porn studies? It's an examination of the various media, kinds of media, that uh, take sex as a primary focus. How would you define the object of the study? Well, it's difficult, right? Because actually there are ways in which porn studies can cover a whole range of materials that aren't necessarily marketed or produced primarily as pornographic, but, you know, through usage, through the fact that they break certain taboos or boundaries, they're considered to be porn studies or, or porn, pornographic. Well, I mean, it's, um, you know, there's a kind of, the idea that we can know with any certainty or that you can look at something and say immediately that's pornographic is, well, I have a, I have a bit of a problem with that, really. And what does it mean? Are we talking about a mode of kind of engaging with something, finding it sexually arousing, for example? I mean, does that, that make something pornographic or is it that arouses strong emotions, like disgust. Because, you know, politicians and, and law enforcement seem to know porn when they see it, right? And what topics would be covered by porn studies? Looking at how audiences talk about pornography, how they engage with it, how they feel that sexually explicit materials mean something to them. Um, there's also, you know, historical investigations, uh, people looking at uh, sexually explicit literature from the 19th century, for example, or um, recently we've had an article which examines kind of racist tropes in Finnish pornography, you know, so, so there's a wide range of things looking at the, the textual formations of porn, but also audiences and production histories and, and then the context in which those might operate. So, yeah, I mean, the, the idea is that the journal will be a site for investigation of porn across a whole range of dimensions, right? And, yeah, we're not in the... The one thing that we don't do is debate whether or not porn should exist, right? It does. Uh, that can't be changed overnight or, you know, anytime soon. And therefore, you know, looking at it in all its, its multifacets and from a variety of perspectives is what we do in the journal. Yeah. Why is it important to do that? Um, <laughs> well, I, there are a variety of reasons why it's really important. Number one, so many people get very upset about the idea that porn exists, right? It's a, it's a key reason for thinking about, well, why does it exist, given that so many... Um, 
lawmakers and moralists and others think that it's, it's a dreadful thing. The fact that people comp- complain that it has impacts on people, you know, from all kinds of things, from, uh, you know, changing the shape of people's brains through to ruining marriages and stuff. Um, but also, you know, it's a way in which people have told stories about sex and sexuality over their you know, past couple of hundred years that we've had media and as as we've had more accessible media every time there's a more accessible media someone makes porn via it right or, or makes some uh, some kind of sexually explicit representation or they want to make representations of sex using whatever media is available and, and you know that's important to examine because it doesn't stay the same just because you know it's not a historical uh, there, you know, like cinema, like any other media form, there are really interesting histories, trajectories, um, ways of relating to materials, tell stories about broader culture and about the place of us as humans in that culture, right? So, yeah, it's, it's important. There's an argument that uh, porn is... Um, like, well, it's based on the idea of the slippery slope of the emotions, right, which, it, which gets brought into play whenever anybody is complaining about kinds of activities that will lead inevitably into degradation and the end of civilization. So people talk about drugs and alcohol in the same way, you know, that you... Once you've engaged in smoking weed, for example, you know, it's a non-stop expressway to heroin addiction and death. And when people talk about pornography, it's, you know, looking at girly mags. And then the slippery slope is that you, you go straight from, you know, topless shots down to child porn and bestiality and all the rest of it. And that, that's, the, that's the kind of idea. But of course, that isn't how our engagements with these things work, right? And one of the things about talking about porn as a slippery slope is that it refuses to see that it's, a, it's an agentic activity, you know, that people make choices and discriminations about the kinds of porn they want to view or listen to or read or whatever. And that, like any other media form, there are ways of choosing and interacting and engaging with that material, right? So, you know, but, but when you talk about it as a slippery slope, then it can be, it's like porn is a thing that acts on, on an individual rather than, you know, an engagement. So it, it, you're powerless to resist in a way, I guess, it's a, the ways that gets talked about. You know, that mustn't mustn't find any of this stuff amusing or actually suggest that people might be having fun with porn because there's always somebody else said, see, they just don't care about the people whose lives are ruined. You know, that's, yeah. And it's not that I don't care, it's that actually I don't know why that's the only narrative. Why did you decide to do porn studies? I left university and worked for a while and then I went back to university after 10 years, after a decade, to do my MA. And um, as part of the MA, which was on women's, was women's studies, uh, we'd had some lectures about pornography. Um, 
And those lectures were all about the sex wars and from a perspective that actually porn is a priori um, a feminist issue. And the only question to ask really is how will we, how will we remove this? Right? That, that actually that's the ultimate goal. And I found there was so much um, outside of that that just wasn't explained by those kinds of approaches. I, I found there was such a disconnect between the fact that there's publishers intending to launch magazines, which they did a couple of months later. Six of them were launched around the same time. Black lace novels, which are erotic or sexually explicit novels aimed at women, things like the Chippendales, you know, all of those things that actually were speaking to um, an erotic sensibility in women. Maybe not all women, but a sufficient number that, you know, there was going to be profitability. And I just thought this is it's really fascinating. So that became my MA dissertation then was expanded to be my PhD. And then, you know, once you're on this particular track, this is the slippery slope, right? That's, that's where you end up in, in a particular research trajectory. There is so much that still remains to be researched. It just feels like, you know, yeah, this is a really rich, rich theme to be mined, actually, in terms of trying to understand the importance of porn this um, claim comes with these new productions of like showing the real sex or, or phrasing it as like we show real people with real, real sex, sex like yeah. it could happen to you yeah, yeah. Like, porn isn't the only um, industry that, that kind of thinks about authenticity all the time you know you can find that in popular music as well right where you know yes this rapper is from the streets no this one grew up on you know in some nice little suburb and has had an easy life um you know, those are, those are distinctions that are made as well across, you know, the divisions between boy bands and proper musicians and all of the rest of it. So, yeah, authenticity is, is really, um, it's an authenticating discourse around porn, right? And I, th I think there are differences between the notions of authenticity and different kinds of pornography. Ultimately, I, I don't know that it's important to decide whether or not, you know, this authenticity is true or it's just, it's just marketing. I think it can be both and, you know, and that actually it's, it's not necessarily whether or not this is a true representation or this is a real one or it's a good one or any of those things. But what, what is being attempted, what are people attempting to achieve by using the term authenticity? That's more interesting to me to understand why. Because a feminist porn producer is using authenticity differently from, say, Max Hardcore, right? <laughs> or, or uh, I mean, really significantly differently. But both of them mean something by their use of that term. So examining what the differences are between those two. Not to adjudicate which is better or worse, but in actual fact just to understand what authenticity means both to that producer and to the people they're selling their products to. So on one level there's, 
you're actually seeing, you're getting all of the action. You see, it's, it's authentically sex, what you're seeing, right? But it may well be um, highly performed, athletic kinds of sex that you're not, you know, you, the viewer, are not going to get in your, your everyday life. And, but it's real and it's really happening and it's on camera now. That's one kind of authenticity. And then there's, um, there's the other kind, which I think is, is very much tied up with femme porn and, and porn for women, which is, you know, these are real people with real emotions who are really, you know, engaging and, and having a great time together and it's not scripted and it's real and, you know, this is lovely. And, and of course, there's markets for both of those things, right? That, that, that yeah, there's a kind of one person's um, authentic is another person's really boring. Which porn film would you recommend to watch and why? I'm going to go with Blacklight Beauty, actually. That's the one I'm going to go with, which is by a guy called Jack the Zipper. And I've written about that film. And so, yeah, and I find it really intriguing. What's I think it's. Well, it's. Um, uh, he has a number of performers in the vignettes. You know, it's pretty, it's kind of standard fare and a straightforward description of it. I think it's about six, seven vignettes, scenes, um, mostly mainstream stars. However, um, the music that's used, the visuals, camera work, it's all, um, you know, quite experimental. And um, there are some amazing performances in there. And I think also it's, it's commentary on the idea of, of the grindhouse experience of the 1970s. That kind of, um, there is a, a way, I think, in which he's commenting on the, the possibilities of porn as this really high-octane activity um, and he really doesn't want things to look like it's authentically anybody could have this kind of sex right it really is about uh, yeah there are certain people who can have sex like this and the rest of us can probably only watch You've really thrown me with that one what is porn studies You'll find more information on porn-studies.com, like video interviews, book recommendations, and a porn guide. In the next episode, we'll hear from John Mercer, Birmingham City University, how porn studies is about expanding the debate from the black and white terms to all the other dimensions of the cultural phenomenon that porn is. And we talked about how he started studying gay porn and how people again and again react with prejudice to this academic choice. Let's connect on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Let me know what you think about this project and what you would like to hear about next. This is Patrick Catus. Thanks for tuning in. See you next time.